0: Just real quick, in case you weren't here earlier, a couple of things I want to make sure that you are aware of that's coming up, and they are coming up fast. Uh, We have momentum registration officially open, and so, yeah, make sure. Here's the deal, though. Um, Every year you bring forms, but you don't always bring forms back. And so let's save some trees, and don't ask for a form every week, and, oh, I forgot it at home, or, oh, I forgot it on my mom's table, like, Take the form, get it signed, make sure that you make an opportunity to come out. And I say this all the time, and I've said this for years, and I'm very, very grateful to God and to this church that I can say this. If money is the only issue, don't let it be. We will never allow money to be a reason why you can't have an encounter with God. So if you want to go, and you're interested in going, and you can get permission then we can help you with any other obstacle in that way financially. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, make sure that you at least ask. Don't assume your mom and dad aren't going to let you go. Don't assume that they don't want you. The worst they can do is say no. And so just make sure you take an opportunity to ask, because I do believe God is going to do some incredible things at this year's Momentum. Uh, And I can tell you just based on camp, Um, there is a hunger that's kind of been building and building and building ever since we've gotten locked down and ever since this virus has been doing stuff. There has been a hunger that's been building in your generation for the presence of God. And I believe that hunger is going to get fulfilled in a powerful way at Momentum, and you won't be able to be part of that if you are not there. And so I just want to encourage you, make sure that you sign up, make sure that you talk to us if you need any help with that, and we will make sure that you get everything you need. We've already booked all the rooms, but I will say this, once our rooms are filled, we can't get more rooms. And so don't wait too long, because if everybody ends up signing up and you're the last one, we may not have a spot for you to be there. And so it is first come, first serve, make sure you register, and we'll We'll take care of that. Amen? Uh, other thing I just want to make sure everybody's aware of, if you got a little shorties or you like candy, this Saturday we got our trunk or treat event here at the church. If you want to come and help out, I know we need some help maybe in the parking lot, and we might need some extra little hands doing some stuff, but we're going to be here tomorrow, or Saturday I should say, from 12 to 2. So if you, you know, got a little brother and little sister, and they want some free candy, talk to your parents. You can drive right through the parking lot. I think everybody walks away with over 100 pieces of candy, and so uh, I think that's dope. And so if you're interested in that. Make sure that you come. And lastly, we have our own event coming up November 6th that I want to make sure that everyone is keeping in mind. Last year we did it. our Share the Love and the Grub where we went outside and we uh, were able to give out over 1,500 bags of grocery to the community. I just finished talking to the truck driver today. I'm going to meet him on Monday to unload a full semi-truck of groceries. And, uh, and small groups, we're going to be packing up some stuff. We're going to get things together. And on November 6th, we are going to be handing out thousands of groceries to feed families that need it here in our community. So I am excited for that. And I'm excited for you to be a part of that. Amen. Awesome. Hey, we've been in this series uh, called Heroes, and we've been just kind of going over a few different aspects of heroes. And we got a few hero movies that are coming up soon, right? I think Eternals just came out, Venom just came out. You got uh, Spider-Man coming out in December, and like all these cool movies. There was a trailer for the new Batman, and and you know, there's a lot of cool MCU, DC, all these type of. Superhero movies, and I love superhero movies, man. I love the whole mythos. I love the whole aspect of superheroes. But I do want to talk about one particular thing when it comes to heroes today. I want to talk about the alter ego. If you've ever read a comic book or looked at superheroes, oftentimes you'll see that uh, they have an alter ego, right? That they're they're actually one person, and their alter ego is who they are when they're their superhero. For example, uh, Bruce Wayne. His alter ego, when he puts on a costume, he becomes Batman, right? If if he doesn't have a costume on, he's just Bruce Wayne. He's a a billionaire, and he's a playboy, and he's all those things. But then he becomes Batman when he puts a costume on. Peter Parker is a a high school kid until he puts his costume on and becomes Spider-Man. Tony Stark is a billionaire until he puts on his suit of armor, and he becomes Iron Man, Right? They, they put these costumes on. They put these alter egos on, this, this alternative personality, and, and they just become something else completely. Peter Parker, if you look at his thing, he's always kind of geeky and nerdy and beat up, and, and then he gets these powers, and he puts this costume on, and he becomes something completely different. This is the, the, the interesting thing about an alter ego, right? When Batman goes to bed, he's Bruce Wayne again. When Spider-Man goes to school, he's Peter Parker again. When Iron Man is running his company, he's Tony Stark again. You flip between one character and the other. But who I find interesting interesting that I think is unique in all this is Superman. Superman is different because when he wakes up, he's Superman. When he goes to sleep, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. His alter ego is uh, the guy who works at the newspaper and wears a suit and glasses and and fumbles around and and is uncoordinated and and has no luck with the ladies and is just kind of goofy looking. He pretends to be like everyone else, but in reality, he's always Superman. I bring that up because I think oftentimes you and I can battle between two different egos, who we are at church and who we are outside of church who we are when, when we're worshiping and when we're listening and taking notes and when we're in small groups and we're talking about God and then who we are when we're at school and when we're in the world and with our friends. And I get it because I've literally been where you've been. And so I'm not shocked by this. You know, I'm not surprised that, that some of you, you're here and you're lifting up your hands and you're crying out the name of Jesus and you're declaring his holiness and, and you're saying how amazing he is. And then tomorrow morning you're in class and you're cussing people out and you're saying inappropriate jokes and uh, you're acting a fool. And, and it's the same mouth. It's just you're a different person. You're the alter ego. And some of us really struggle with this because we keep flip-flopping between one or the other. And and so for me, the thing that I'm trying to figure out and what I had to figure out for myself and what you have to figure out for yourself is who are you really and then who's the alter ego? Are you really a Christian who is just in this world, who's, who's going around, who connects with people because that's what we need to do, but you're not really like everybody else? Or... Are you actually like the world, like everyone else, and you're just pretending when you're at church? Which one's the alter ego? Which one is the real you? Are you faking here or are you faking out there? Because one of them is real and the other one is fake. And until you reconcile and decide who's going to be who, you will constantly have this battle back and forth and be confused in and of yourself on who you really are. This is something that personally I battled with a lot as a teenager growing up in church. For the most part, I was always pretty good. And then, you know, getting closer to high school age, I started to drift away a little bit from my relationship with God. I started wanting to have fun. And, and literally, I mentioned this before in the past. I started having two personalities. I was one person at school and in the neighborhood, and I was another person at church. And, man, when we were at church and in Sunday school, I knew all the answers to the Bible questions, and, and I understood the complexities of, of what we were trying to go through. And, man, I was great at that. And when I was in the neighborhood, I was great at acting a fool, and I was great at, at making jokes that, that we shouldn't be making and, and making, you know, types of behaviors that wasn't acceptable. And it was kind of easy for me early on to be one thing in one world and another thing in the other world. But here's where things start to get difficult. Where things start to get difficult is when you start combining the world. And here's what my my philosophy is, or not my philosophy, but my theory, I should say. I think part of the reason why some of you don't invite your friends from school to church is because if they came, you wouldn't know who to be. You don't know which ego you're going to play. Because the friends from church see somebody else and your friends from here see somebody else. And when those two worlds collide, then who are you going to be? And I know for me, that was the issue. I don't want to bring my friends from there to church because I act differently when I'm around those friends versus when I'm at church. And those two worlds shall never meet. I had to keep them separate because I was kept separate. And eventually I had to make a decision. I had to figure out for my life, do I care about their salvation enough to be who God called me to be at all times? To decide that I will be the superhero, not the alter ego. To decide that I'm going to wake up Superman and I'm going to go to sleep Superman. I'm going to be Superman at church and I'm going to be Superman in school. Was it easy? Absolutely not. And it's still a work in progress and it's still something that I'm trying to continue to refine day in and day out. But I will tell you this. It stopped being confusing both for me and for the people around me. At some point in your life, you need to decide... Which ego are you really? Are you the hero or are you the villain? Are you faking here or are you pretending out there? If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to John chapter 17 because I think it gives us some insight into this that I really want to unpack for us. In John chapter 17, Jesus is, is praying and he's speaking to the Lord and he's praying specifically for his disciples. And I want you to pay attention what he's actually saying and what he's praying about when it comes to these disciples, right? Jesus understands in this prayer that he's about to get captured, crucified, hung on a cross, put to death, buried, and that three days later he would conquer death so that you and I can experience salvation and literally receive the power of God to be who God called us to be. And listen to what he says in this prayer in verse 13. Now I am coming to you, speaking to God. I told them many things while I was with them, the disciples, in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth." Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I love that this prayer isn't just for the 12 disciples or the 120 disciples that he had at that time. But he's saying this prayer is not just for them, it's for you who are sitting down in this seat listening to me right now. It's for anyone who would eventually come to believe the message that they have given, which is what we're reading right here in the Word of God. And there's some interesting things that I think you and I need to take note of, especially if we decide to be the type of heroes that God has called us to be, to be the light in a dark world that God has called us to be. And again, if you're taking notes, first thing you might want to write down is this In this world, you will have villains you will have villains in this world, okay? You look at Superman, ain't nobody trying to come after Clark Kent. No villain is is hell-bent on destroying Clark Kent's life. Matter of fact, nobody even notices Clark Kent. But they do hate Superman, and they do come after Superman, and they do threaten the people that Superman cares about. And because of the very nature of who he is, he will draw enemies to him. Notice again what the scripture says. It says, I have given them your word. The world hates them. Why? Because they don't belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. If you decide to be who God called you to be, you need to understand that that means by that very definition, you're not going to be like everybody else. And when you're not like everybody else, you're going to be open to criticism from everybody else. Because people don't like things that are different. Right? If everybody does something this way and you do it a different way, suddenly you're weird or you're different, and now we laugh at you or we condemn you or we talk crap about you. Why? Because you're the only one that's different. And most of the time, we can't wrap our mind around different. And I think this is an interesting thing as you're looking at it because a lot of times we don't want hate. We just kind of want to be left alone. We want to just live our lives and just kind of go through the motions, and, and we don't want people to come at us. But by the very nature of being a Christian, you're gonna get haters in your life. We were laughing. Uh, I think Jonathan texted me this week. We had put up uh, a reel on our Instagram, and I don't know, man. The algorithm is wild sometimes, and you know we can put up one uh, Instagram reel, and it'll be like two thousand people look at it, and we put up another one, and suddenly it's sixteen thousand people look at it. And so I can't tell you why one is what or one is the other. But here's how we measure if we're doing really good on Instagram: when we get haters on Instagram, we're like nailed it the last one we talked i mentioned heaven i was talking about heaven and somebody commented it's not real and at first i wanted to write back yes i am <laughs> but he was talking about me right he's talking about heaven but here's the thing if he gets it that means we're not in this little christian bubble where only other christians are seeing our stuff that means we're actually getting this message to the people who need to hear it and if we get a little bit of hate that means we're doing a good job That means means we're actually making a difference or we're actually threatening to their own thought philosophy. That's the goal, right? I need a little bit of hater in my life. Think about your favorite athlete. Home field advantage is real, but when they're going against the enemy and they get that yelling and that screaming, they feed off of that. Man, I ain't even gonna lie to you Can I be honest for real or I'm just gonna be genuine? I was watching the Bears game on Sunday. I was so mad, so angry because I just can't stand Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I love him in in the name of Jesus, but in the name of sports, I hate that dude. (laughs) Why do I hate him? Because he always beats us. And uh, if you watch the game on Sunday, and even if you didn't, this is kind of interesting. He scores this touchdown to eventually take the lead and, and win the game and blah, blah, blah. And when he scores, he ends up in the end zone in the corner, and there's a bunch of Bears fans there, and they're screaming at him, and they're yelling at him, and everybody's sticking up the middle finger at him, and they're talking all this crap. And he yells out, I own you. My whole life I own you, and I still own you. And I'm sitting there, he does. (laughs) He loved that they hated him. Why? Because he knows he's a winner. I don't mind if somebody hates me for being a Christian because it only validates who God called me to be. It only makes me more confident that you notice that I'm not like you. Listen, John chapter 15, verse 18 through 19. It says it very plainly. Jesus says this, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But if you are no longer part of the world, I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Hey, can I tell you something? If everybody in this world loves you, you're not different enough yet. You're just like them. You're Clark Kent. You look like everybody else. But when you decide to step into who God called you to be, it's going to invite some sort of hate towards you. When you decide that you're the only one in your class who doesn't smoke and drink and sleep around with everybody, they're going to laugh at you. Oh, why are you so blah, blah, blah? It's not even that big a deal. Blah, 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 blah. And everybody says all this stuff to you. You're going to draw in hate just because you're different. And listen, again, I never mind it. You know, I'd give people, we'd be at parties or something, hanging out. And, you know, my friends would be, how come you don't drink? Da da da. My response is always, because I don't need alcohol to be fun. I am genuinely a fun person. So if you need to numb yourself to have a good time, go ahead, and do what you got to do. You're that boring. And for me, it was like, bro, you can hate all you want. It doesn't intimidate me. I am confident in who I am because I know that I'm not you. And I don't want to be you. You're thrown up all over the toilet, slipping in your own vomit. How is that cute? <laughs> Listen, God called you to be different. And again, no one hated Clark Kent. Matter of fact, Clark Kent was irrelevant. He wasn't even noticed because he was just like everyone else. And I get that it's hard because you actually want to be like everybody else. But if you're taking notes, I need you to understand number two. If you're a Christian, you're not like everyone else. By the very definition of who you are in Christ, you are automatically not like everyone else. And if you are like everyone else, then I would argue you're not a Christian. But if you decide to walk in faith and be who God called you to be and be a Christian, you are not like everybody else. Well, why? Because here, if you notice, Jesus says, God, make them holy. The, the very definition of holiness means to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be separated. Because it's not like everything else, right? And we do that to a certain extent, right? Let, I don't know if anyone else is like me on this. Y'all ever leave like the last bite, like the best bite of your food for the end? You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe you got a nice steak and there's like a real nice party. I'm going to finish. Because you want that last bite to be the best bite. You like want that to be in your memory bank. So you separate the last bite and then then you know what happens, right? Somebody notices it and they're like, oh, you're not going to finish that? And they take that last bite. And now we got to throw hands. All right, now stuff got serious, bro. Because you know it's like, no, that, that was the last bite. What did you do? You made that holy you separated it and said, no, no, you're special, you're unique, right? And we do, that with our, we do that with our shoes, we do that with our favorite toys. Even when I was a kid, like, I had, like, my favorite toy. And again, I don't know if this is just a me theme, but I think it's a we theme. You ever felt like when you were a kid, you ever feel bad when you play with one toy and you don't play with the other? You kind of feel like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll play with you too, right? But there was one toy for me, and that's my special toy. Even if you come to my house and, and we're playing video games and say, like, no, this is my controller, You can use all the other controllers, but this is my controller. Why? Because all the other controllers got funny things going on with them. This is the newest one. This is mine. (laughs) What did you do? This is holy. It's set apart. Well, guess what? God called you to be special, to be holy, to be set apart, to not look and act and be like everybody else, but to be separated from everybody else. Not so that you're isolated, but so that you're separated. There's a difference between isolated and separated. Isolated means you're completely alone. Well, that's not true as a Christian because we have each other. Because we have God. We are never isolated. We're part of the body of Christ. But we are separated. We're separated from the things that we shouldn't be connected to. We're separated from the things that might try to hurt us, that might try to harm us. And so I love here that Jesus is saying, listen, God, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I want you to keep them from the evil one. I want you to make them holy. Because the evil one, the devil, he's got schemes and plans to try to derail and to try to encourage you to be like everybody else. And I get it. This is so difficult because as a teenager, all you want to do is fit in. You want to be like everybody else. You want to dress like everybody else. You want to talk like everybody else. You want to be listening to what everybody else is listening to, watching what everybody else is watching. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 through 9. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is talking about Jesus. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. The reason you can't be like everyone else is because if you are like everyone else, no one will see you. No one will notice you. We are called to be a light in darkness. If we are all darkness, then there's no light. And so if you walked in here, and it was a completely dark room, and I just held up my flashlight from the camera, you're not going to see anything but the light. So you were called to be a light, not to be more darkness, not to make things more difficult. And so I love what he says there. He says, listen, we, we were separated. We're called to be a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, we show others the goodness of God. We let others see the hope in Christ. We are there to be magnified, not to be hidden. And again, I I get it in our human nature. Many of you, you don't want to stand out, especially the introverts in this room. Because as soon as I said the introverts in this room, most of you kind of sunk in because you don't want to be an example. Because you don't want to be like, hey, like so-and-so. Or like... Why? Because you don't like to be the center of attention. And I'm not saying you need to be the center of attention. That can be Jesus. But should you at least be able to point to the center of attention? You should at least be able to stick out. Somebody, again, it would, be, it would be like if you are in an emergency, right? If something were to go on here and all the power was killed, you know the only thing that would still be visible are the exit signs because they're meant to stand out. They're on a whole different power. If the whole power in the building died, the exit signs would still be lit up. Why? Because that's the point, that in the event of emergency, you can still see a way out. You are literally the exit sign to this world who is drowning and hurting and in a dangerous situation, and you are a sign to hope and help. But if you are out like everything else is out, then we're all messed up. So I love here that Jesus is praying, hey, listen, God, I don't want you to take them out of the world. There's a, there's a reason. There's a purpose. They need to be in the world. I'm just asking, would you keep them from the evil one? Would you make them holy? Would you, would you separate them and make them different? And there's a, an interesting thing because th- this isn't about acting different. This is about being different. We can all act different. You can dress a certain way and be different. Uh, you know, there's a ton of ways of being different, but being different is not being holy. Okay, don't get the things confused. Holy people are different, but different people aren't holy. Because <laughs> some of you are like, listen, you can you know, not wear pants in school. That's different. That's not holy. <laughs> some of you, that's really not holy. <laughs> okay? You, so you can do different things and, and then not be holy. See, there's a process to that. And I love that Jesus here, he emphasizes, God, make them holy, and this is how we're going to do it, through God's word. Right? God's word is what makes you Holy. It says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do, so make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. How do you become holy? It's not just by sitting and wishing. It's by actually picking up God's word and reading it. Because if Christ is holy, that's my example of holiness. That's how I learn to be holy, by understanding what God's word says about himself. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27 says this. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, in this scripture, he's given an example of how wives and husbands are supposed to treat each other. But notice in this example of husbands, I want you to key in on the next verse, right? This is what Jesus did. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or without any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So how do we become holy? How do we become separated? How do we become something that God uses as unique and special so that we might stand out in the world? How do we become clean when we're living in a world that's filthy? We get washed with the word. We read the word of God and the word of God transforms us and that transformation is what makes you holy and that holiness is what makes you different and that difference is what makes you noticeable. But it starts with the reading of the word. I was just talking this week, uh, Jeremiah and AJ were with me on a trip, I was, I was out in uh, a few schools doing a couple of youth, camp, or youth camps, but preaching at schools and we were talking about like how do you become this and how do you become that, do I do this class or do I go through that and I go... Over and over again, I say, you just gotta read your Bible. We try to make it really complicated, right? You could take a four year college course on Christianity and it will never be a substitute for reading your Bible. If you don't understand the Word of God, you don't understand the God of the Word. You have to spend time and studying God's Word and reading through it and analyzing it and applying it to your life and growing in that. And the more you look like the Word, the more you become holy. It's really not difficult, it's just not convenient. For many of us, reading the Word is not complicated. Even for those of you who struggle with reading, there are so many resources. I mean, literally, the app will read it for you. You can just sit there and listen. So if you're like, oh, I have trouble reading, do you have trouble hearing? Listen to it. Study it. You got, you know, headphones in your ears all day long anyways, put the Word in there. But this is the only thing that's ever going to make you holy If you're sitting there like, well, you know, I struggle with this temptation, I struggle with that sin, and, and I keep failing with this, and I keep failing with that. What I'm telling you is don't try to not sin, try to be like Jesus. Understand the word. We put so much effort in not sinning and not enough effort in becoming like Christ. And so a lot of times we give up on our relationship with God because we keep failing and not sinning when the the whole point was never not sinning. It's like, again, I like sports, and so I'm going to use this analogy, but when a team is trying not to lose, they're bound to lose. You got to try to win. You can't play not to lose. You got to play to win. And in the same way with your spiritual walk, you can't live a life to not sin. you got to live a life to be like Jesus. And in the process of becoming holy, of being like Jesus, guess what happens? You stop sinning. You just don't do that anymore. You just don't act like that anymore. Why? Because that's not who you are anymore. You've changed. You begin to transform. You become more and more like Jesus. And listen, I get it. That must have been really difficult. just talking about Superman. Could you imagine being Superman and a teenager? Knowing you can dominate everyone in any sport, that you can dunk from the other side of the court, that you can just destroy anybody on the football field, that you can be the most popular guy, that you can flex and use your superpowers to promote yourself. The hardest thing for him was trying to act like other people, knowing that he was different. Man, you are so different and you waste that difference in trying to be like everybody else. And so I'm telling you, if you take the time to study God's word, and if I can say it like this, if you enjoy my sermons, you can have it every day if you just read the word. Because literally all I do is I read the text and then I walk you through it. You can do that every day. And you can get good at it if you continue to do it and you continue to grow and you continue to come holy See, there's, there's a process, but there's also a point. We, we read our word to become like Christ, to, to allow the transformation and the washing of the word to, to make you more and more into the image of Christ. Why? Because God sent you here for a reason. And that reason isn't solely to get good grades in school and get into a good college and find a good job and, and work so that you can have a house for your family, so that you can work and buy nice things and have vacations. That's not the purpose in the existence of life. You were purposely sent here for a reason. And I love what Jesus said with his disciples. He says, I am sending them just as you sent me. Right? Can you imagine if Jesus was sent by God and all he did was carpentry? I mean, he was a carpenter, right? So if he's, a, I'm going to change the world one house at a time, <laughs> I'm going to change the world one rocking horse at a time. <laughs> Jesus understood, yeah, that's my vocation. That's what I do for money and to supply what God has called me to do. But that's not my purpose. My purpose in life is to spread the gospel, is to tell people about Jesus, is to give hope to a world that is hopeless. And that's what God called us to do. You were sent to this world for a reason. Again, listen, if you look at John chapter 20, verse 21 through 22, it says, Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the disciples, as they were uh, having that opportunity and, and, and trying to become more and more like Christ, He didn't give them the Holy Spirit just so that they can, you know, have fun. And guess what? We still get to have fun. I'm not saying this is boring, but my point is you have such a greater purpose than what you're doing now in this world. God sent you here for a reason. The same way Jesus was sent, you have been sent. Some of you, you need to understand, you're in the school that you're in for a reason. You're in the class that you're in for a reason. You're in the neighborhood that you're in for a reason. God has placed you uniquely there for a reason. And this is where it's important because sometimes, especially if you grow up in church, we start to misunderstand. And we start to act like, hey, well, listen, we can't be around any bad things because we only need to be around Christian things and only be around Christians. And I'm not saying not be holy. Obviously, we just talked about that. But sometimes you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You don't even know how to connect with other people. (laughs) And on the opposite end, some of you are so earthly good that you're no heavenly minded. (laughs) There has to be a balance in it, because for a lot of people, we are the bridge between heaven and hell. We're we're that connection point. We're the ones that are able to offer that hope. And so you have to understand that part of the reason you were sent on this earth is to be able to communicate Jesus, to be able to show them and tell them there is a God who loves you, who wants a relationship with you, who can save you from an eternal death, who is here for you. And I'm here to send you that. I'm here to give you that message. Again, he said, peace be with you. The Father sent me and I am sending you. You need to understand that your purpose in life, and this is something that a lot of people ask, even older people are always trying to figure out that question. What's my purpose in life? What's my purpose in life? What am I called to do? And I'm not dismissing that because some of you are called to do specific things like be a doctor or or be a lawyer or be a construction worker or own businesses or be an entrepreneur. Like you have a specific way that God is going to use you to fulfill his calling. But all of those ways are always going to lead to the same outcome, being able to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to people in your world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And so here's how you got to look at it. Are you influencing the world, or is the world influencing you? Who's making a bigger impact? I'll say it like this, right? Because the old saying is we are of the world, we are in the world, but not of the world, right? We're in the world, but we're not like the world. So I'll give you this very easy analogy to understand. A boat on the ocean, good. The ocean in the boat, bad, (laughs) right? A boat on the ocean, that's what it's made for. Ocean in the boat, everybody's dead on the boat. (laughs) So the question is, is the world in you or are you in the world? Do you act like, because here's the deal. If the ocean is on the boat, guess what you don't see no more? The boat. (laughs) Did the boat disappear? I mean, it's there, but it's just so immersed and covered by the ocean that all you see is ocean. You don't see boat anymore. But even in the vastness of the ocean, and I don't know about y'all, the ocean freaks me out. You ever just sat there and looked at the, I mean, Lake Michigan could freak me out. You ever just look at the vastness of it and how big it is and go, ah, that is big, man. It's kill me right now." now. Think about this. Even in the vastness of the ocean, a boat on it will stick out. A boat under, no one ever sees. Some of you, Are sunk ships, you had a purpose, but you allowed too much of the world to get into you, and now you look just like the rest of it, when God has called you to be different. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. Going back to uh, Superman, I find him a very interesting, fascinating character. And if you look back a little bit, the creators of Superman were actually Jewish. And there's speculation, there's no real hard proof that they were purposely trying to use any religious allegories as they were doing Superman. But there is a lot in there that we might be able to at least infer. Okay? Again, I'm not sure if they were purposely trying to make Superman this messianic symbol, which means something that's Christ-like. But there's a few things that I think are funny. You know, like the whole idea of, of a father sending his only son to the earth. Or maybe if you dig a little deeper, uh, Superman's uh, real name, the one that he had from his home planet is Kal-El, kind of two words connected. Well, the suffix L is uh, appending his, you know, Kryptonian name. It's in Hebrew, the L suffix is used to denote Elohim or Yahweh, a godlikeness, Jehovah. Like in the names Michael, Ariel, Raphael. So is Superman supposed to be a Jesus-like character? I don't know. But I do know this. In Matthew, if you go back to the Old Testament, there's a prophecy that they reiterate in the book of Matthew from Isaiah. And it says this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 18 through 21. And this is describing Jesus yet to come. Look at my servant, whom I have chosen, he is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put a flickering or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. And listen to this. And his name will be the hope of the world. The name of Jesus will be the hope of the world. This is huge because the Bible does go on to say that no one is saved by any other name. There's no other name under heaven for which we are saved. You can't be saved through Allah, through Muhammad. You can't be saved through a politician or a celebrity. There is no other name. You can't be saved because of your connection to Pastor Joey or Pastor Jason or a leader in this room. None of these names, you can't show up and be like, yeah, but I know Elias or or I know Evelyn. And it's like, no, no, it's Jesus. That's the only name that matters in heaven because that's the only name for which we are saved. It's Jesus' name that cosigns your salvation. And there's no other name can do it. That's why the Bible says in Matthew, his name will be the hope of the world. And the problem is too many of us are walking around like Clark Kent. Hiding who we really are behind an alter ego that just looks like the rest of the world. Where Superman is powerful, Clark Kent is weak. Where Superman can shoot rays from his eyes, Clark Kent wears glasses just to see. Where Superman is spotted saving the world, Clark Kent is invisible and hiding among the people. Superman isn't wearing a costume, Clark Kent is. And if you ever watched any of the movies or the comic books, one of the most iconic, famous scenes is when the world is crying out for help and in that moment, Clark Kent stops being Clark Kent when he rips open his shirt and you see that big old S on his chest and then he becomes Superman, right? He becomes who he's supposed to be, who he's always been. He takes off the costume and he flashes the S. Well, it's kind of interesting. Because that S, according to the people who created it, isn't really even an S. It's actually a symbol from Krypton, Superman's home planet. And that symbol means one thing. It's a symbol for hope. There is an S written on your heart that is the hope of the world, and you're covering it. You got it all buttoned up. So that no one sees it, so that you don't look different, so that your ego isn't bruised, so that people will accept you like their own, so that you can look like everybody else in a world that's dying to see something that's different. And all I'm saying is, would you be willing to rip off that costume so that others can see the hope that's in you? So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close this out. And in a moment, I want to pray for the hope givers because you're the ones I want to work with, because you're the ones I want to challenge, because you're the ones that I want to encourage. I want to pray for the hope givers, the ones who are tired of wearing a Clark Kent costume, who are tired of looking like everybody else, who are willing to rip off that shirt and show a world that there is hope in a world full of darkness. And I believe we're going to do that when we're out there in our community giving out 1,700 bags worth of groceries, we're not giving out ramen, noodles, and spaghetti, we're giving out hope. When we're out there doing a walk raising money for Speed the Light, we're not doing that for a car, we're doing that to deliver hope in a vehicle to a nation, to a people group who doesn't have hope. See, everything that we do in this church, everything that we're about in this community is about giving hope. When we go to Momentum and we tell you that if you want to bring your friend, they can go for free and registration, it's not so that they can just hang out in the hotel room and have a party with you. It's because we're trying to give them the hope of the world. Everything we do, we do to deliver hope, not to give you a memory. (laughs) If you get memories out of it, great. But if we don't give out hope, we failed. So I want to talk to the hope givers. I want to talk to the ones who would decide and refuse to be Clark Kent and become Superman. And it doesn't matter what mistakes you've made and it doesn't matter that up until this afternoon you were horrible at being a Christian because the beauty of Christ is while there's breath in your lungs, there's opportunity for transformation. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't need you looking around or spotting anything, but I do want to do this. If you want me to pray over you, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hands. If you're somebody here who's saying, Pastor, I know I'm not perfect, but I want to give out hope. I don't want to be Clark Kent. I don't want to hide who God made me to be. And I know it's a process. I know I'm not going to do it overnight. But by God's help, I want to be who he called me to be. I want to be a hope giver. So again, with every head bowed, every closed, if that's you, all I'm asking, just lift up your hand real quick and I'll pray for you. Thank you, bro. Thank you, guys. Anyone else? That's me. That's me. Amazing. That's most of us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray first and foremost for every individual in this room who lifted up that hand, who is willing to publicly declare that they will no longer hide who you call them to be, that they will no longer uh, think that fitting in is what their life is all about when you have called them to stand out. Those who are willing to to rip off the costume, to rip off mediocrity, to rip off the facade and show hope to the world. And God, I understand that in ripping off that costume, they're also painting a bullseye on their chest. That the enemy is gonna try to scheme and destroy and unravel everything that you're trying to do. And Lord, I pray the same thing that Jesus prayed in that moment. God, I'm not asking you to take us out of this world. I'm just asking you to keep us from the evil one. Would you keep us from sinning and and falling back into our bad behaviors and and our old mindset? Would you keep us from trying to be like everybody else and, and being worried about fitting in with the world? Would you keep us from worrying about other people's criticisms and other people's attitudes? Would you help us to be everything you called us to be, Almighty King? To be the heroes on this earth you've called us to be. Because in the same way, Jesus, that you were sent, now you are sending us. And Lord, I pray for those in this room who are being sent even further than this city, God. Lord, I pray for those who have been called to the mission field. God, would you send them in this moment? God, I pray for those who have been called into full-time ministry. Would you send them in this moment? God, I pray for those who have aspirations and a calling that you have placed in their heart, who has been fostered and developed for a while. God, I pray that you would fulfill that plan in their life. God, I pray that you would accomplish all the wishes and desires that you have for each and every one of us in this room. But Lord, I pray, would we start here today? Before we go across the world, God, help us to go across the street. Before we reach some of the most unreached areas on this planet, would you help us reach our classroom? Lord, before we fill heaven, can you help us fill this room? So Father, we thank you because we know by the power of your Holy Spirit, we are more than equipped to do what you called us to do. We just need your help and courage to step up and do it. So, Lord, I just pray, help us. Even those who were honest enough not to raise their hand, Lord, I thank you and I respect that. But, Lord, I also pray, would you make them eventually choose which ego they're going to be. Lord, if they're pretending in this room to be who you called them to be, help them to stop pretending because your word says... I'd rather you be hot or cold. I spit lukewarm out of my mouth. God, we cannot keep going back and forth between two people. Lord, I pray, would you put the pressure on them to decide if they are with you or if they are against you. Lord, I'll still love them because you called us to love everybody. But Father, I pray that they wouldn't keep playing around back and forth, pretending to be one thing and reality being another. That they would be fully devoted to you in every aspect of their life. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise right where you're at? Amen. Guys, just want to remind you, we got small groups tomorrow, so make sure you're here. And the next two weeks, we got a lot of stuff going down. We want to make sure that you help us with all that, so hit up your friends, let them know. And next week, I'm going to be here, but we have a very, very special guest that's going to be coming in. Man, I want to encourage you, would you bring your friends? You do not want to miss what God is going to do next week. So make sure you're here, make sure you bring somebody. God bless you, we love you, I'll see you tomorrow.